Angela Bowen here, the host of Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. How's everyone doing today? I hope you had nice weather. Today, I'm going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 15, entitled St. Louis Blues. This episode aired on February 11th, 1984. In this episode, Derek tries to stay cool when he finds out his parents may be divorcing, but finds himself envying Rick's family. Well, I kind of figured that. I mean, it seems like Derek is jealous of what Rick has. So, this episode's got a high rating. It's an 8.1 out of 10 based on 18 ratings. It was directed by, <clears throat> excuse me, Jack Shea, writers David W. Dicklin, the creator Ron Levitt, Michael G. Moy, Stephen Pritzer, Ben Starr, Martin Cohen, Howard Leeds. We got some connections. The Flintstones. Rick mentions watching the show. The Dating Game. Rick recalls Dexter. Dexter. <laughs> Rick recalls Derek's father being on the show. Donahue. Rick talks about an episode he saw about divorce, and I'm thinking. Ricky, your parents are divorced. <laughs> oh, there's my timer. Um, Eddie and the Cruisers. Poster in Rick's room. Remember when I took that... Oh, I, never, I don't even think I ever posted that. I didn't. Um, I think I still have it in my phone. Um, no, I was showing... Um, uh, during uh, Easter lunch with Jeremy's mom... I was showing her and Jeremy the picture I had taken, like, is this a, I thought it was a singer. I had no idea it was a movie poster for Eddie and the Cruisers. I'm like, is that like Bon Jovi or is, cause the picture was kind of a little out of focus. Okay. 1964, Eddie Wilson had it all. He had genius. He had vision. He had the hottest rock and roll band in the country. Then suddenly one night, his car went off a dark New Jersey bridge. His body was never found. But his dream was never lost. And 20 years later, the mystery of Eddie Wilson begins to unravel. What is this movie rated? Oh, it's PG because all movies were PG back then, unless they were animated. In that case, they would be rated G. My goodness. At first, I'm like, is this like a biopic or something like that? Um, not really seeing anything. But, oh, well. I've never seen it. Isn't there a sequel to this movie? Eddie and the Cruisers 2 or something? I don't know. And it looks like... Is this the same lady uh, that played his mother earlier this season? 
Let's see, because we've only seen her once before. And let's see. Yes, she was also in Affair to Remember, which was Season 2, Episode 3. Alright. So, she also was on Dallas as Marilee Stone. I think I hopefully pronounced that right. She's also in two episodes of Who's the Boss? And a bunch of other, like, one-bit parts. We have some connections in this episode. The Flintstones. Rick mentions watching the show. The dating game. Rick recalls Derek's father being on the show. What, when he was married to his wife? Ooh. So as I'd like to do with uh, you listeners that, that are new... Or if you are regular listeners and you have not yet, I'd like to let you guys know where you can go to find out about upcoming episodes about the the podcast, Silver Spoons. You can go to Facebook at Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. You can go to Instagram and follow there, Silver Spoons Podcast, or you can... Go to Twitter at the Punky Power PB Podcast slash Silver Spoons Podcast and follow there. If you'd like to send an email, you can do so at silverspoonspodcast at gmail.com. So this episode aired on February 11th, 1984. So this is three days away from Valentine's Day. So we do have a quote here from Ricky. The gift of a valentine is a way to say to somebody that I love you. You see, I'm explaining this to you so you'll understand why you never received one. <laughs> Alright, let's officially dive into this episode. I think it's going to be a little sad. You know, we're, we're not just saying goodbye to Derek Taylor, the character. We're saying... You know, we're saying goodbye, you know, to Jason Bateman's. It's his final episode on this show. And he would later go on to... I'm going to look it up. I want to see what he was doing right after this. Because I know before this, he was on Little House on the Prairie as James Cooper. Oh, my God. Oh. The O.C. <laughs> Okay, so he was on Little House for 21 episodes. He was James Cooper Ingalls. So they, um, the Ingalls, Charles and Caroline, they, they adopted James and his little sister Cassandra. So he, his last name was Cooper, and then he became an Ingalls. So, wow, I just... I, when I said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is such, that's the, the OC, Jimmy Cooper, Marissa Cooper's father, for those that remember the OC. Um, what else did he do? Okay, so, just a little more love, he played Dory Jr., this is a TV movie that came out in 83, so he would have done this probably on hiatus, because right now on Silver Spoon Season 2... We're in February of 1984. So this is what he did on his little hiatus. And it doesn't tell me a dang thing. Gordon Jump is in this movie. Um, the Fantastic World of DC Collins. Hey, is that Gary Coleman in this movie? Yes, it is. 
DC is a dreamer who can't keep in the real world longer than a few minutes after a top-secret disc finds its way in his backpack. He finds himself in the middle of a big spy mission. Okay, that doesn't have a dang thing right now to do. Addison Cromwell is who Jason... Addison Cromwell... Addison! Nothing wrong with the name Addison. It just... I don't know. Right to Kill. He did that right after Silver Spoons. And then he was in the show from 1984 to 85. It's Your Move. He played Matthew Burton. I think there are some episodes of that show on YouTube. Robert Kennedy and His Times, TV miniseries. He, for three episodes, Jason Bateman played Joe Kennedy III. He was in St. Elsewhere. He was in The Magical World of Disney. Can You Feel Me Dancing? Larry Nichols. A young blind woman struggles for independence. Oh, look how young Jason Bateman is. Oh, this is when he was on um, The Hogan Family. Oh, he's in a movie with his sister. Okay, so he plays his sister's older brother or younger brother. Which one is older of the Bateman kids? 1966 was Justine, and then Jason was in 69. So he is actually the younger, okay, by three years. Gotcha. Oh, the lady who played the mom in Gremlins and Back to the Future and um, Stand By Me, she was like everyone's mom in the movie it felt like francis lee mccain yeah let's see what else he's done uh belvedere yeah oh my god that episode he played a garbage like when i say a garbage person i mean he played a royal piece of crap real jerk real jerk Tony Scotty in Bates Motel. Teen Wolf 2. Matlock. He played himself in Matlock? He's in Jason Bateman in Matlock. So he played himself? There's no picture of him in this episode. Who's he play? He plays himself. <laughs> okay. Okay, so here we go. We got Valerie. 1986 to 1991. In 110 episodes, he played David Hogan. I used to watch the show, like, during the summer, they'd be in syndication, I'd watch, like, uh, The Hogan Family and Elf would be on, like, between 10 and 11, so, I remember that. He's in another TV movie with his sister called How Can I Tell If I'm Really in Love, and it doesn't say anything, it's 51 minutes, I don't even think this is a real movie, it's more like a... Oh, it's got a 4.8. Okay, I am going to stop looking at Jason Bateman's IMDb. I mean, I agree. He's very, very cute. And he's very attractive now. Um, But I want to get into this episode. <laughs> I'm sorry if I bored you guys. Like, why are you still talking about Jason Bateman's IMDb? Because I wanted to see what else he's done. So, we come out of the intro and Ricky's in his room. He's polishing i'm not even sure what that's supposed to be but we hear rick so derek his method of choice via a ladder to get into rick's room that's how that's his point of entry almost probably i'd say what maybe 25 percent of the time of the episodes he's go come up through the window and not the front door is he going to hit Kate and Edward? I mean, he doesn't need to. They're already in love. So Ricky goes over to 
his little nook window and invites Derek in. And Derek brought with him a giant red duffel bag, probably filled with everything that he owns in his room that he could fit into one bag. Wow, um, is he planning on staying the weekend? <laughs> we get an open shot. I don't even think there was a door. There was a door on the bathroom. There, I don't think there's a door there anymore. It's like a wide archway, entryway. Because we see a sink, we see a mirror above it. What is that supposed to be in the back? I can't tell. Ricky's got a lot of hats hanging on that um, parking meter. And Ricky also, because he's leaning out his window, as he then also gets hit in the face with a sleeping bag, which is red and blue striped. A lot of red. A lot of red on this show, which I'm not complaining. You guys know how much I love the color red. Love it, love it, love it. So Derek finally throws himself up over that ledge, like, okay, I'm here. And Ricky's like, Derek, what are you doing here? It's like 9 o'clock at night. What are you doing here? And Derek is like, I was uh, hoping I could spend the night. <laughs> Well, he's out of breath. He had to lug up a really heavy bag full of everything he owns and a sleeping bag. Okay, now we get a clearer picture of the Eddie and the Cruisers poster because Derek is standing right by it. So I'm going to play this clip. Derek, what are you doing here? I was hoping I could spend the night. Things are a little rough at my house. My parents are having a slight disagreement. Over what? My mom says my dad's a slimy glob of vermin. <laughs> Can I stay? I'm sure I'll ask my dad. But you have to promise not to be your usual obnoxious self. What? <laughs> I'm famous for being the perfect guest. Do you mind if I take the bed and you take the floor? <laughs> Knock it off, Derek. Now, as long as you're here, you can help me out with something. But it was a Valentine's Day surprise for my dad and Kate. You see, we all like to celebrate special occasions together. Wait a minute, is there going to be a lot of huggy, kissy poo? <laughs> Probably. Pass. Derek, the giving of a Valentine is a way to say to somebody that I love you. You see, I'm explaining this to you so you'll understand why you never received one. <laughs> So Derek wants to stay over at Rick's because his parents are fighting and his mom called his dad a slimy troll, just a big piece of garbage person. And he's like, hey, can I stay here? And Rick's like, yeah, sure, you can stay here, but uh, you gotta promise not to be your usual annoying self. And of course Derek's like, moi, I'm usually the most respectable guests or, or something. Of course, this is where he throws himself backwards on Ricky's bed and says, hey, you mind if I take your bed and you can have the floor? I'm like, and no. And now your um, admission to my bedroom has been revoked. You can go back out the window. Bye. So Ricky says, hey, while you're here, you can help me with a little project I got going on with Valentine's Day coming up. We like to celebrate, you know, these holidays as a family. 
or celebrates them together. And Ricky's got these long white tubed arrows with like little uh, styrofoam hearts on the end, on the tip. And then on the end is like these red like feathers. And he's kind of putting himself out the window. And he's got clearly this is, you know, it's a set. He's not really climbing from a great distance or anything like that. Because when he was right out the window, he had to adjust that quiver on his back. I'm like, I was looking, I'm like, those things are going to tumble out of there. They are going to fall to the floor or to the ground. And then I'm like, well, wait, no, that's probably just floor level for, for the set and everything that he's just leaning against it. Of course, Ricky's like, well, see, a valentine is something you give someone when you're in love with them. I'm explaining this to you because you'll know why you never received one. And Dara's like, oh, I don't really want to help you. Is there going to be a lot of huggy, kissy, meow, 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 love, 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 hug? And Ricky's like, yeah, maybe. And Dara's like, I'll pass. So... Derek does not, his parents are fighting. He doesn't want to see the mushy, gussy, kissy, kissy of Edward and Kate. Because it reminds him of what he doesn't have with his parents. He doesn't see them be lovey-dovey with each other. His dad will be lovey-dovey with other ladies, just not his wife. Aww! Did Phil get a girlfriend? Oh, that's sweet. Good for Phil. Because we see there's a heart that's Looks like a paper heart that was just placed on one of the arcade games in the back. But I like that they've included Phil. Phil's in a nice black suit. He's got a red tie. He's got a little, um, kerchief in his pocket. It's just adorable. Now we pan to the left to where Kate's sitting at her desk. And she's got an envelope that's got an upside down heart on it. And she's licking the envelope closed. You gotta be careful with licking those envelopes close, because you don't know. Sometimes they can be sharp, and you can cut your tongue on them. Ooh, I swear that's probably happened to me at least once in my lifetime. Do you remember in um, elementary school? I think, I'm trying to think, when do we stop doing it with the passing out of Valentine's Day cards? Oh, I'd say we must have stopped before fourth grade. I remember specifically in second grade, I got the Who Framed Roger Rabbit Valentine's, and I saved a special one for the boy that I liked, Eric. Um, it was a picture of uh, Jessica Rabbit and Roger Rabbit together, and there's a big heart behind them, I remember that. And I also had one that had um, Baby Herman on it for um my cousin that had yet to be born because I was living at my aunt and uncle's house and my aunt was pregnant. So I just I thought that was a cute little touch that I thought of that when I was eight. There's a ringing at the door. Who could it be? Could it be Ricky the Cupid? Cupid Ricky? Let's find out. Damn that thing's got awesome reach. Special delivery <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Oh. These are beautiful, Edward. So, no, it's... And that door opener has got the best range. I mean, Kate can open that door from all the way back into the living room 
at her desk near those French doors. I'm like, I thought you had to be, like, at least by the couch. But even then, that is awesome range. Because those doors are, like, 20-plus feet away. So... I thought, oh, it's got to be Ricky, right? No, it's Edward. And at first, I didn't even think it was Edward because he disguised his voice. I'm like, oh, it's uh, someone making a delivery with, like, you know, two dozen roses. And Kate's like, oh, Edward, they're beautiful. We cut to the stairs, and Derek is looks like he wants to head downstairs, but then when he sees them kiss, he stops and kind of sits on the stairs, and he's just, he's probably, gosh, my parents haven't done that in a long time. He's just, he's feeling really down. Yeah, his family is, feels like it's breaking apart. But we get a toot, toot, toot on the horn. It's the train, and Ricky's coming around the side of the house. What's he got going on? Let's find out. Oh, wow. Oh my goodness. Happy Valentine's Day! <laughs> Who is this? It's me, Freddy. Don't, don't you recognize me? Oh, I mean, I am Cupid, the god of love. I am here too. Uh, here too. Smite you. Rick, who talks like that? <laughs> you do if you want your five bucks. I am here to smite you with my arrows of love. <laughs> Just a moment. <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake, Freddy. Come on. There. Been smited. into the living room and at first I swear I thought that was like a statue I didn't know it was Freddy at first I'm like oh my gosh it's Freddy because he's dressed completely in white and it's like it's almost like one of those like leotard ballet type costumes like covers the majority of, but it's so skin tight it's like you can see this kid's tidy whities um of course Freddy is Cupid the god of love, and he can't get through his lines. He's Mr. F Fumble Fingers with the bow and arrow. He, he pulls the string back, breaks the string, and he just, he tries to, doesn't get anywhere near them with the arrows. He finally just takes the arrow and just, like, because Edward and Kate are, like, less than five feet away from him. He just takes it and, like, points it and, tosses it, hits him, then it hits Kate, and Ricky's like, you gotta say 
I'm smiting you. Or, and Freddy turns around and says, who talks like that? And Rick says, you do if you want the $5 I'm going to pay you. So, Freddy says, oh my god, it's just, the way that Freddy constantly looks, is this a character thing? He's he's wearing glasses, but he's still looking around like his vision isn't exactly the greatest. So, this is just going to be a character trait. And you probably heard me saying the clip, like, oh, come on, Freddy, seriously? But then again, do we expect any less? This is his, uh, this is his thing. That's his stick, I guess, you know? Goofy fumble fingers. And then he also, like I said, he throws on a cape, and they kiss. They do some funny little ballet, like Edward's up on his tippy toes, he's got his arms up above his head, and it's cute, and they kiss, and Derek, meanwhile, on the steps, is like, <laughs> So, Ricky gives Freddy the money, and Freddy's like, hey, just don't tell anybody, I don't want the guys to know. What guys? The only guy left is Derek, and he's gonna be out the door after this episode. JT already left. What other guys do we know? We don't know any other guys. These are the nameless, faceless ones that we don't meet. I kind of figured with um, Alfonso coming in season three, they probably had to start chewing some out the door like they save Freddy because they need a trio of guys but then again I want to find out when was Freddy's last he must have been in season maybe season five let me check okay so Freddy is in season four for three episodes his last episode is season four episode 12 three musketeers so he's halfway through season four and they boot his butt out the door um he's got Two, three, four, five episodes in season three. He had a lot in season two. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven in season two. And then he had three in season one. All right. Well, season two is a highlight of uh, Freddie Lip and Coddleman. This is just... No... Fam Do families celebrate Valentine's Day as a family? I don't know. Maybe they do. I don't. I don't know. That just seems. It. It just seems like if I say it's a coupley holiday, which it kind of, then people are gonna be like, no, it's not. You can celebrate Valentine's Day and not be in a relationship. You can. You surely can. No one says you have to be in a relationship to celebrate Valentine's Day. I'm happy they're acknowledging that it. Uh, you know, Valentine's Day. Even though this episode came out on the 11th of February and not the 14th. So Edward puts his arms around Kate and Rick and says, Happy Valentine's Day, guys. Aww. Group hug, group hug. A lot of hugging on this show. A lot of hugging. Maybe not as much as uh, Full House with Danny Tanner because he is the king of hugs. He's the hug master. But Silver Spoons will be right up there underneath it. It seems like every single episode ends with Ricky and his dad hugging. Or Ricky and Kate and Edward hugging. So Edward wants to give a Valentine's Day speech? Okay, now you're going a little bit. A little bit much. So he t looks at Kate all lovingly and says, Kate, I never thought I'd find anyone as beautiful and sweet and kind and confident as you are. I'm like, um, I thought this was, is this a speech to Kate or is this a speech to Kate and Ricky? Because unless you have a speech prepared for your son, 
it just seems like this speech is kind of one-sided. <laughs> six months. They've been together for six months. Wow. We've kind of heard this speech before. He said this multiple times about how Kate, like, I don't know what you see in me, Kate. You've given me a sense of my worth, of my of my whole worth, and, you know, made me a better man, basically. And it's just, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, it's great that he's reminding her how much, you know, she means to him and what it means to have her in his life and how she looks at him and everything like that. But it's just, it's cute, but we've heard it before. Like, even if I were kind of like, oh, that's sweet. Do you have anything else that you could say that you haven't already kind of said? I mean, it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But there's got to be a little, little. You've been together for six months. In that amount of time, you, you should be able to come up with a little bit more of a de declaration of love. Oh, he says, I love you. Even Ricky finally backed away, like, okay, this really isn't about me here. You, this isn't a, a, a three-way speech. This is a, yeah. I mean, Ricky doesn't mind. Like, it's cool. My mom and someday stepmother are professing their love to each other. Great. And we keep cutting back to poor Derek and his sad expression. This kid, I feel bad for him. I really do. I mean, Derek is a lot of things. He's, you know, he can be uh, slimy. He can be a jerk. He can be semi-heartless at times and just cruel. He could be a cheat. He can be a lot of things. He probably got that from his dad. Um, but... Inside, he still feels, and he his poor heart is breaking. This poor kid. Finally, he gets to Ricky. You know, I, I'm going to play this clip. Well, happy Valentine's Day, guys. <laughs> Time for a little Valentine's Day speech. Kate, I never thought I'd find anybody as compassionate and bright beautiful as you are. Six months ago, I might have said, I don't know what you see in me, but you've given me a sense of my own worth, and that's one of the greatest gifts anybody can get. I love you, honey. And Rick, I love being a father. Every time you experience something, it's fresh and new and important to me. In a way, you've given me a chance to live my whole life over again. I love you very much, son. Come here. Okay, he's too big to be getting picked up. He's 13. Come on now. I know you love him, but... Aww. Oh, poor Derek. Please calm me down. Dad, Derek's upstairs and he wants to know if he can spend the night. Is that okay? Sure, I'll see. Why not? I'm going to go tell him. Okay. So, Edward's got a speech for Ricky. He's got his arm around him and his arm around Kate. And he, said, he looks at Ricky he's like, you know what? I love being a father. Every time you experience something new, it just... 
He says, every time you experience something, it's fresh and new and important to me. And I love you, son. Oh, and it's sweet. And he hugs Ricky, but then he picks him up in his arms. I'm like, that's cool. You love your son. He's only 13. You don't need to pick him up. But whatever. That's cool. Of course, we cut back again to Derek's sad face. This really breaks my heart. And Derek has had enough and is like, I think to himself, I can't watch this anymore. This is, my dad has never said those words to me. And I've never seen my mom and dad embrace like that and tell each other that they love them. It's, oh, poor kid. So, Ricky actually does, when his dad is holding him and hugging him, Ricky does see Derek's face and how upset he is at this display of affection. And Ricky breaks it off. He's like, um, Dad, uh, do you think that Derek, I mean, could spend the night he kind of wants to? Is that cool with you? And Edward's like, yeah, yeah, I don't see any problem with that. Absolutely. And Ricky's like, all right, well, I'll go tell him. Oh, boy. Uh, I bet Derek is going to unload. And, like, you don't know how lucky you have it, Ricky, with your dad and Kate. And you all love each other. And they don't fight and everything like that. Ricky in a sweater vest. It's, it seems like he only really owns, like, a, a couple of them. Or he has some that are, like, in similar shades of color. But anyway, um, Ricky leaves, he heads upstairs, and <laughs> Edward, like, grabs that, uh, Cupid arrow and, or, no, Kate does and hits him, and then he takes it and hits her. It's just they're having fun with it. And Kate's like, it's kind of kinky, but I'm getting into it. <laughs> what, what, hitting each other with that, that uh, styrofoam arrow? Sure, it's kind of kinky, I guess, if you want to look at it in that way. Cool. So we cut up to Ricky's room. Jason Bateman with the Argyle socks. I love how the colors, the colors do match his shirt. Because he's got a dark blue tan and red like a thin red stripe over the the tan stripe and then he's got the argyle socks which are also dark blue with the thin red stripe and then you have the tan argyle um diamond shape that's also got like is it maybe a red x or a blue x through it it's pretty cool i like it yeah, Derek's definitely laid claim to your bed, buddy. He's got his duffel bag in there and that. Also, that sleeping bag. I bet, like I said, we're. I think we're going to get a new overhaul for season three. Maybe, maybe, or maybe it won't be till season four that that race car bed is going to vroom, vroom, vroom right out of that room. So I'm going to play this clip as... Derek and Ricky look like they're going to have a little talk. Like, hey, my dad says it's cool, you can stay the night. And I don't know, what do you think? Do you think that Derek is going to take this time and he's going to totally open up about what's going on with his family? Or he's going to like, ugh, that display of a family affection just made me want to bleh, or something like that. I saw you watching us. I was so sappy Norman Rockwell would refuse to pay in it. <laughs> Derek, you don't have to get ashamed about showing emotions. <coughs> okay, maybe for a second. A millisecond. I wished that 
my family get along as well as you guys do. But I'm over that now, in case of temporary insanity. <laughs> that argument between your parents is bothering you a whole lot more than you let on, isn't it? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Alright. My dad's been cheating on my mom again. Oh. I, I thought he was getting help in group therapy. He was. And then he met another lady in the group who had the same problem. <laughs> got back from a weekend in Atlantic City. <laughs> well, they probably had fun. <laughs> you know something, Rick? My dad cheats on his expense accounts, cheats on his taxes, cheats on his golf score. I mean, I really look up to him. watching Phil Donahue last week. <laughs> and there's a bunch of wires on the show talking about the gray itch. <laughs> Is that anything like the heartbreak of psoriasis? <laughs> no, no. You see, it, it, you see, it's when a man becomes middle-aged and his hair starts turning gray. He starts to worry whether women will still think he's sexy. It's an itch. <laughs> so he finds himself a woman and scratches. <laughs> Did the wives on the show forgive their husbands? I don't know. I got bored and switched to the Flintstones. <laughs> but Wilma did forgive Fred for going bowling on their anniversary. <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, Derek, your parents had this fight before. Remember that time your mom turned on TV and saw your dad on the dating game? <laughs> she, uh, she took all his pictures and fed them to the Cuisinart. <laughs> well, that eventually blew over in a few days. So will the argument they're having now. So yeah, that was a pretty long clip of Ricky and Derek talking about Derek's parents not getting along and just some of the things that Derek's father, Derek's like, yeah, I'm proud of my dad for cheating on his golf score and his taxes. Like he looks up to his dad, you know, that's how Derek is, you know, he, he gets a lot of his, uh, his schemes and stuff like that from just watching his dad. So let me back up here. When Ricky walks into the room, sees Derek reclining on his bed, 
Ricky sits down on the edge of his race car bed, looks at Derek, like, hey, I saw you watching us hugging and everything, and that seemed to bother you. And, of course, Derek makes a Norman Rockwell painting, like, oh, that was so sep- sappy, even Norman Ro- Rockwell wouldn't want to paint that. It was too uh, sugary sweet. <laughs> and Derek, or er, Ricky levels Derek with a, with a gaze, like, I know that you're hiding behind your little, uh, I'm fine facade, but I know that this is clearly bothering you with your parents fighting and everything. And Derek's like, yeah, but don't, don't worry. I don't want to talk about it. I'm over it. And so Ricky's like, oh, you don't want, okay, I, I can just go because Ricky goes to leave and give Derek a little bit of privacy and I got to hand it. We've seen Jason Bateman all through season one, and majority of season two, he's this wisecracking, scheme-planning guy, and he throws out, you know, some of the best funny insults and everything, but I like where the show went with it, like, this is his final episode, he's moving away with his mom, let's really, we've seen Ricky Schroeder do the dramatic, let's do that with Jason Bateman, let's have him go out on a bang with his amazing acting, and for what in the trivia, which I, I get it, the show realized what they had with Jason Bateman, and how he was starting to outshine Ricky Schroeder a little bit, like, hey, let's, let's move him along, let's let him go out, you know, on a shining star, and find you know, build his own career and let him do his thing. That way we can just kind of focus on Ricky. So, um, I, I like that the way they went out with this episode. Um, so Ricky's going to give Derek a little privacy. As soon as he hits the doorknob, he turns because Derek says, my dad's been cheating on my mom again. And, uh, <laughs> It's really, really bothering him. So he admits that maybe his, because Ricky says, well, I thought your dad was going to like uh, group therapy for, you know, adulterers. And Derek says, well, yeah, he was, I mean, he is, but he ended up meeting a lady there, which of course his father would. Because he's, that's not something I don't think, if you've been doing that for a long period of time, I mean, I can't speak from experience and I don't ever want to say that I do. But that's not something that you can just shut off in your mind, especially if he's been doing it for a very, very long time. Derek's father met someone there. They went to Atlantic City, and apparently she was there because her husband was cheating on her, and then they bonded over this mutual thing of cheating, and they decided to cheat on their spouses. Um... And it's really bothering Derek because, like I said, he looks up to his dad, but he's like, I just can't believe, I mean, I can handle the other stuff, but just him cheating on my mom. And let's cut back. Let's cut back to season two, episode three, um, the, the science fair project, right? Derek's mother was there while Derek had rigged up this machine and a wire to his dad's, like, jacket or whatever to catch him cheating. He knew. 
he's known that his dad has been cheating on his mom, and his mother maybe either knew it and didn't want to acknowledge it and just hoped that they could work things out, or she just... She probably didn't know. A part of her probably didn't know and just... But the fact that he aired that in front of Edward and Kate and other people and publicly humiliated his mom, yet now, all of a sudden, how could he do that to my mom? Why now? Because their marriage is breaking apart. They're actually getting a divorce? He didn't really... He was using that as revenge and... I feel in season two, episode three, and un, uh, fair to remember. He was so happy. He was grinning like I'm getting back at my mom by embarrassing her and admitting like on tape that my dad is cheating as he's going to a hotel to a place that he's frequented frequented before because the check-in clerk knows him, and he goes by an alias. So, Ricky's like, oh yeah, I watched Donahue did a segment on divorce, and everything like that, and he refers to, um, it's called The Great Itch, although we would probably know it as a midlife crisis, and it seems to happen mainly, it seems to always refer to guys going through a midlife crisis. Once they hit their, somewhere in their 40s, they don't feel as attractive to their spouse, like they have to change things up. It's almost like they're proving to themselves, they want to prove that they're still young and virile and attractive. Almost like you have kids, by that age, your kids are probably teenagers, and you just, your self-worth, it's just, you don't, you probably feel down, or, or however. Um, what I'm just trying to say is that, what do they say? Either a guy will go out and get a sports car, or he'll cheat on his wife. Which, I don't have a source for that, but I've heard that term kind of thrown around. Like, once they, guys hit in their 40s, it's either they do this or they do this. Women would, wives would probably rather their husband go out and get a Porsche than cheat on them. And the way that Ricky refers to the gray itch is that guys, once they hit 40, their hair starts to gray and they gotta go out and satisfy their, this primal urge to see if they're still attractive to the opposite sex. Like, their wife isn't apparently enough. It's, they have to feel attractive to other people, other women and stuff. I, I don't know. I'm not gonna linger on this too long. And the thing is, I, I was thinking about this whole thing with watching Donahue do a segment on divorce, and he's like, ah, oh, I don't know if they stayed with their wives, or uh, they went back to them, or the, oh no, if the wives forgave the husbands. You know, these, they're 13-year-old boys. They have no concept. They've never been in a relationship. They've never been married for a lengthy amount of time. And in their eyes, it's like, oh, yes, of course the wife would just forgive the husband for the cheating and take him back. It doesn't always work that way. Um, they, have, they aren't at that point. They haven't developed that sense in their mind about, about that yet. Um, 
But I'm just thinking of Ricky is a child of divorce, too. However, for the first 12 years of his life, he didn't even know his father. But even still, he could probably speak from experience now as a child who probably sees his mom, what, twice a month at the most? And everything. So why isn't he speaking from experience on that? Unless he does. Maybe he will. But so far he's like, oh, I saw something on Divorce on Donahue. Whatever. I mean, I'm a child of divorce. And that was, I think it was hard my mom being out of the picture. I would go and see her maybe. If, in the beginning, she was at my, her parents' house. And I would go and see her, I think it was like almost every Sunday. Like, we'd go out to McDonald's, and then uh, my aunt would drive me to my aunt and uncle's house. I remember this one time. <laughs> my aunt was driving me, and she had a bottle of pop, and she got pulled over. Because the cop thought she was drinking and driving. Like, drinking an alcoholic beverage. And afterwards, she's like, now don't tell your dad that this happened. Or don't tell your aunt and uncle that this happened. Like, Okay. <laughs> But e even then, when I was, like, seven, eight years old, I would see my dad on the weekends. Like, he would pick me up Saturday morning, and then I'd be back at my aunt and uncle's, like, around Sunday, probably five, six o'clock at night. It was still, it was, it was, it was hard. It was really, really hard having to go from having next to no rules on the weekends at my dad's to having rules in place when I went to stay with my aunt and uncle five days a week. So to close out this scene, Ricky's like, hey, don't worry. I'm sure your mom and dad will get back together. Everything will be fine. Derek's like, no, it won't be. My parents are getting divorced. Which, as sucky as that is, maybe it's for the best. He doesn't see it now. But, and he idolizes his dad. But he hates him for what he's doing to his mother. But I think in the long run... His mom can get a fresh start somewhere else, and, you know, maybe he can see his father every once in a while. That's if his father even wants to see him, because he does not have a great rule. His father dumped his butt in a military school, and his mom was absolutely fine with it? Did they not plan, like, Derek, was he an unplanned pregnancy? Did they not want a kid? Because they have, he is getting it from both sides. He's ignored by his dad, and his mom just parades him around like, oh, my son and I have the greatest relationship in the world. No, they dumped him in a military school. Granted, he probably needed a little adjustment or what have you because he was getting, he was acting out in school. But that's probably because of his home. He does not have the best home environment at all. And I feel bad for Derek a little bit. So we cut downstairs, Edward and Kate are on the couch. Kate's sitting on the couch with Edward's head resting on her lap while she's combing his hair, I think. <laughs> uh, I'm not wrong. But he's just really, really relaxed. He's got his hands folded on his chest, his fingers intertwined. He's got a leg up. He is just utterly in heaven with that. But then again, 
who isn't ultimately relaxed when you go and get either your hair cut, you get your hair washed by somebody. It is a relaxing experience. That's why whenever I get my hair cut, I'm like, okay, I want to, I want a shampoo first. Oh, it is amazing. The people, what a person's fingers can do to your scalp and just massaging it and just, oh, it feels so good. It, it's, it's like, I, I bet a lot of people can probably feel that way. It's like, it's just so relaxing. You know what this reminds me of? And, <laughs> oh, um, when I was little and my dad would lay on the couch, I would, um, <laughs> I get a, a cup of water and I would take a comb and I <laughs> dip the comb in the water and then like while my dad's laying there I would brush his his hair. His hair was short, it's always short. But I don't know what it was about the combing of the the hair. Like I did that with my mom where I'd like sit on the back of the couch and she'd sit there and I brush her hair. And even when I was at my aunt's house, I did that with my aunt. But then, of course, my cousins are like, why are you doing that? She's our mom, not yours. And I'm just seeing this here. It's just bringing that memory back of when my dad would lay on the couch and I would just comb his hair. And I would be getting so much water on, on the arm of the couch. It was, It's cute. I like this. This is a sweet moment between Edward and Kate. Although, is this... This is his idea of a relaxing Valentine's Day, right? I mean, she's clearly getting something out of it, too, because she loves him. Like, she wants to uh, make him feel happy and comforted. And uh, Please tell me they're going out to dinner later. That this isn't all their oh, Valentine's Day. Just hang out, stay in, watch a movie on TV, maybe, depending what's on. Because um, they didn't have Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime or anything like that. So, no, she's just combing his short hair, it's just, and running her fingers through it, Oh, this is, I like this, this is such a sweet moment between them, we need more moments like this, especially with what's to come towards the end of the season, and oh my goodness, am I gonna get PO'd, I'll, um, talk about it when we get to the, it's a two-part episode, so I don't know if I want to do it in two parts or in one part, so we'll see. So Kate sticks the little mini comb in Edward's hair and she's just kind of combing her, running her fingers through his hair. And he gets up. He's still got the comb. Oh my God. And the doorbell rings. So this is going to be a funny sight. Really over? 
feel very good about it. And, and you're sure that this is this is what you want? I feel very good about it. Oh, Corinne, you're amazing. Anybody else would crumble under the emotional experience of a divorce, and here you are. Look at you. You're a rock. <laughs> laying his head in Kate's lap, he looks up, like, what? He He's like, I should have bangs. Where are my bangs? Oh, right. They're, um, here, let me pull this, uh, little mini comb. Thank you, Kate, for doing that, sweetie. <laughs> uh, so, Corinne Taylor is at the door, Derek's mom, and she has just had an awful, awful day leading up to the fight with her husband. Um, her gardener woke her up at 11 in the a.m., which, I mean, it's cool, you know, whatever time you want to wake up. <laughs> I mean, Derek's 13 years old. He can pretty much get himself up and make himself a bowl of cereal or whatever in the morning. Um, but odds are maybe she was, we don't know, maybe she was sleeping one off. You know, she had a little bit to drink. I mean, given the state, I mean, not everyone handles fights and stuff like that by turning to a bottle. I don't know her, her life and everything, but also her hairdresser canceled the appointment he had with her because he got beat up again. Jean-Claude got beat up again. Oh my goodness gracious, lady. Oh my goodness. You start to feel for her a little bit, but she's really holding it together. She says that she and her husband had a fight. They're getting a divorce. The top that they have this actress in is very, very low cut. Like, cuts just to the crack of, you know, her chest area. And um, she sits down and she just says, my marriage is over. And my husband's cheated on me with many women. And Kate is all like, are you sure that's what you want to do? Um, Kate, you've never been cheated on? How would you, I mean, I understand she's trying to like, like, are you sure you don't want, you don't want to make a decision like that in haste, but Corinne is absolutely fine. And even Edward's like, wow, Corinne, I got to hand it to you. I mean, you are handling this. You are like a rock. I don't, anyone else would be crumbled on the floor in a fetal position, sobbing. Boom. Cue the tears. Reach for the Kleenex right in front of you on the coffee table. <laughs> you know, and oh my goodness. 
So she says she and Derek are leaving on the 747 flight to St. Louis. She's got family there. So they're leaving tonight. So I understand now why Derek chose to, like, can I stay the night tonight? Because he does not want to go to St. Louis, which is understandable. I mean, not only is this affecting Corinne, but it's also affecting her. This is a life change. For her son. He's got to leave everything behind. His school. His his friends. His his father, who he probably is very angry at. And does not want to see right now. But everything. It's just being ripped. The rug has been ripped right underneath that boy's feet. And she just like, I want to be near family. I got to be near family right now with what I'm going through. I want to be surrounded by people who love me. Which, that is probably what someone would do. It's like... I'm removing myself from this situation. I'm I want to be in our family now. I want to be where I can be supported in my decisions and everything like that. Like, pull yourself out of the situation so you can examine it, re-examine it as a whole from the outside. I'm not a psychiatrist, just so you know. But that's just my overall opinion. I gotta say, I, the one thing I do not like about Corinne is she does the, uh, the, the faux French terms and stuff like you're not why are you because she's got an image you know she's a, about the fancy stuff and the fancy talk and what's more fancy than putting on a faux french accent so we cut up to ricky's room as edward comes in probably to say corinne is here to pick up her son they're leaving to st louis so i'm gonna play this clip come in rick where's Derek? Oh, he's in the bathroom brushing his teeth. <laughs> Daddy told me his parents are getting a divorce. I know, his mom's downstairs. Dad, why are so many people getting a divorce? It's serious. I mean, when you get married, it's supposed to be till death to us part. Well, sometimes it becomes worse than death. <laughs> <laughs> Look, son... People get divorced for a lot of reasons. Sometimes it's a financial problem. Sometimes two people just grow in different directions. Sometimes one or the other of them finds somebody else they like better. Why'd your mom get a divorce? I don't know. We just couldn't seem to agree on anything. So we got a divorce. Since then, there's something we do agree on, though. We have the best son in the whole wide world. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. So, of course, this whole thing of Derek's parents are getting divorced leads Ricky to ask Edward, why did you mo and Mom get divorced? I mean, I thought marriage is supposed to be till death do you part. And Edward basically says, you know, I don't know. Some people just, they get married and then it just doesn't work out. And But with your mother and I, we just couldn't seem to agree on anything. You guys, your marriage lasted for a week. And I, weren't they on like a cruise or something? And they got married on like a ship or, I, I'm just trying to figure, possibly that's how it happened. And then it's like once the honeymoon was over, the marriage was pretty much done. Um, you know Evelyn liked that he had money and he was fun, but then after the honeymoon, the fun, like, got old and, like, you know what, I want someone who's serious 
and all I see in you is money. I don't see the man that you are. And they just could not agree. And by then, she probably didn't know that she was knocked up. And he didn't know that. So she must have kept that from him. Because in the pilot episode, he's like, hey, I'm your son. And then Edward's like, wait, what? Son? What are you talking about? Yeah, 12 years ago, you and my mother uh, consummated your marriage. And here I am. <laughs> Or, you and my mother consummated, and nine months later, boom. So it's just, it's interesting, whenever Edward talks about their marriage, their week-long marriage, like, well, not to mention, I thought it's like, if you consummate the marriage, you can't get an annulment. You have to get a divorce, because you've already kind of unionized it, right? Well, you exchange, you got the marriage license and everything, you consummate, you boom, that seals it. But I was just looking up, it's like, yeah, the 80s had the highest divorce rate of all time. Now, I'm kind of seeing it more like, it's expensive. It is expensive, I hear, to get a divorce. That's probably why some people either don't get married or they just separate and don't live together. Like, we'll be legally married, and the only time they probably would want to get a divorce is if they meet somebody else, they would want to get married, and then like, oh, well, I gotta, like, complete this divorce from my ex. Like, in Sweet Home Alabama, the character wanted to marry someone else from her um, glitzy New York lifestyle, and she hadn't even gotten a divorce from her husband, who she had married in probably in her late teens, early 20s, so... Yeah, that's why I, I just got a finger now. I mean, <clears throat> I was reading online where I guess someone said their relative is in the divorce business, like a divorce lawyer and how his business is going down the tubes because the economy sucks right now. I guess the economy was great in the 80s, but now it just sucks and nobody can afford to get divorced because that is not cheap. So I'm wondering, are people even nowadays even bothering getting married and then instead they just live together? There are people out there that would rather just live together and not deal with the hassle of being married. Granted, if they have kids and they split up, it's really no different than if they had been married. But anyway, um, Edward says, well, the one thing that your mother and I do agree on is what an amazing son we have. And Ricky's like, oh, thanks, Dad. And Edward's like, well, where's Derek? Ricky's like, oh, well, he's in the bathroom brushing his teeth. I mean, he, gosh, he's been in there, like, over 20-plus minutes. He's like, hey, Derek! And then you hear Edward shout, Derek! And is there a window in there that he just flew the coop? He must have heard, like, his mother's voice downstairs. Where is he? He couldn't have left that room unless there was a window in the bathroom because he was in there the whole time. So I'm going to play this clip. Derek's been in there an awfully long time. Derek! Derek! Why isn't he answering? I don't know. He was depressed about his parents' divorce. Sure, he didn't commit suicide. My goodness. was he? He was 
was real depressed, Dad. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? For heaven's sake, he didn't commit suicide. So we're jumping to conclusions here. He's probably just concentrating on his flossing. Wow, this took a heck of a dark turn. <laughs> They're like, oh, well, how depressed was Derek? And Ricky's like, well, yeah, his daddy was very depressed. I mean, and they both look at each other and they run towards the door and start pounding on it. Like, Derek, Derek, open, open the door. They're thinking he committed suicide. This got very, very dark. And then Ricky takes steps back and takes a running jump at that door. I'm surprised his shoulder's not dislocated. Because he hits that door like, boom! And he falls backwards. It's like, jeez, Ricky, you are not strong enough to knock that door open. You are, like, probably less than 100 pounds. Now, if you and your dad together tried to hit it, it might pop open. My guess is Derek's going to come out of that door. He's gonna come out of that room. Like, what is the commotion here? Stand back, son. Let me try. <laughs> ooh, oh, oh, oh! So Edward's like, alright, son, stand back. Let me try. So Edward takes a running jump at the door. Just as Derek's opening it. Well, no wonder he didn't hear you. He's got his headphones on and he's probably blasting out his eardrums. As Edward just, like, like I said, he, Derek opens the door and Edward just, zoom! There's a window, a giant window right there with a tree out front. And Edward just grabs it and clings to it like a sloth. It's like, oh my gosh. And clearly you can see the blue backdrop there. And Derek's looking at all this like, what in the, what is going on, man? I'm just flossing my teeth. What are you guys doing? <laughs> What's with your dad? downstairs and she wants to talk to you. She does? Rick, you were right. My parents must have made up. She's here to tell me that everything's okay, right, Mr. Stratton? She's waiting on the couch. Oh. So they're still getting a divorce, huh? She's taking me to St. Louis, isn't she?
amazing. <laughs> then I can stay. Well, think about it. Your mother wants you with her. And she loves you very much, and she's going through a very rough time. She's going to need your help. Well, what about what I need? I need my parents to still be together, Mr. Stratton. I know that, Derek, and that could still happen. But in the meantime, you and your mother are going to need each other. Before I go, can I say goodbye to Rick? Climbs back through the window into the bathroom, clutching his shoulder, which he probably dislocated as well. And he kind of starts screaming at Derek, like, Derek, we thought... Uh, never mind what we thought. Yeah, you probably thought he flung himself out that window and committed suicide. So, Edward says, your mother is downstairs. Derek gets excited, like, oh, great, that means my mom and dad are getting back together. And then he looks at Edward, and Edward is almost, like, shaking his head, like, that means my parents are still getting divorced. And Edward's, like, shake, nodding, like, yes. Is she taking me to St. Louis? Edward nods again. And he's like, Mr. Stratton, I don't want to go to St. Louis. Can I stay here with you guys? And... Edward puts a hand on Derek's shoulder and says, Buddy, look, we would love for you to stay here, but your mom is going through a hard time right now, and she is going to need you. And, of course, Derek shrugs off the hand off his shoulder, turns, and says, Well, what about what I need? You know, I want my parents to stay together. Can I stay here with you? And... Edward's like, I'm so, you know, we would love to, wouldn't we, Rick? And then camera cuts to Ricky, and he's like, <sighs> and both Derek and Edward are like, wouldn't we, Rick? And Ricky's like, uh, yeah, almost like realizing, like, yeah, I think I would miss Derek. We're all gonna miss Derek. So Derek's like, when when are we going to St. Louis? And Edward's like, tonight. So Derek says, can can I say goodbye to Rick? And I was like, of course you can. Of course. You guys take all the time you need. Granted, um, you're leaving tonight, so you're definitely wanting... This is back in 1984. You did not have to go through security to the point where you gotta have, uh, you know, stand with your arms above your head and move as the thing moves around you. You didn't have to take off your shoes... It's just amazing how much, like, you could probably get to the airport in plenty of time before your plane leaves and not have any issues, whereas now you probably have to go at least maybe, I'd say two to three hours tops before your plane leaves just to get through all the, you know, bag checks, security, all that stuff. I'm going to play this clip here. This is really sweet, and it's heartbreaking that, you know, he's, having to go. So I'm definitely, you know, I'm playing this clip. Derek's final goodbye. I'm gonna miss him. I know I, oh, I'm crying. I'm getting worked up. I know I say Derek's this and that, but my goodness, Jason Bateman, you were amazing on this show. And 
even the people that worked on the show knew this guy was going to do amazing. He is still, to this day, doing amazing, amazing things. kids you know their privacy to say goodbye and Derek's like well I guess this is so long huh and Rick's like yeah I guess it is and then Derek's like man we had some wild times didn't we I thought that we were gonna get like a flashback to some of Derek's greatest moments between season one and two we didn't but that's all right we have them in our hearts and in our memories so Derek's like, Rick, um, this is the last chance I'm going to get to ask you a question that's been kind of uh, on my mind for the last 
years, though. He says that um, since we've known each other, there may have been one, two instances where I may have been a little hard to take. And they cut to Ricky. He's like, no. So Derek asks the question, why, after all the things that I've done to you in particular, have you stayed my friend this whole time? He said, no matter how many dirty, rotten tricks I pulled on you, you always stayed my friend. Why? The camera cuts back to Ricky. He's like, <laughs> well, you know, I've asked myself that question many, many times over the last year. And, and Derek's like, well, have you come up with an answer? And Ricky's like, yeah. You see, no matter, no matter how big a putt, uh, pain in the butt you are, Life with you is never boring. And it's not. We can expect when Derek shows up, there are going to be hijinks. The one time that he steps in to tell Ricky, I think we need to back off here, is when Ricky was doing that betting program that he created. It's like, Rick, I don't trust this. I don't think it's a good idea. We need to back away. And Ricky, of course, gets himself into trouble. He go, He's like, forget it. I made the program. We've won five times already. Let's go for a sixth. So Derek's like, well, I try. He's like, so long. And he pulls the headphones from around his neck and the Walkman, puts it on Ricky's bed because it belongs to Ricky. And he grabs his duffel bag and his sleeping bag. So he must have brought everything that he could think of that he would need. Because he probably was thinking, I'm going to stay with the Strattons. It's cool. I got everything from my room that I feel that I'll need to make a new life for myself. So Derek grabs his stuff, starts to head out the door, but turns in the doorway back to face Rick. And says, you know, I'm a little nervous about what's going to happen to me in St. Louis. And not missing a beat. Ricky looks at Derek and says, you know, I'm a little more worried about what's going to happen to St. Louis when the amazing Derek Taylor gets there. Like, you are going to tear it up. I don't know. Derek might not be ready for St. Louis, but is St. Louis ready for Derek Taylor? I don't know. And I love what Derek says here as he looks at Rick and says, Rick, you are without a doubt the most upfront, upright, upstanding, disgustingly straight arrow best friend a guy could ever have. Aww. And of course, <laughs> Ricky, <laughs> he's got to get his digs in there. He looks at Derek and says, Derek, you are the most underhanded, unwholesome, untrustworthy, outrageously scuzzy best friend a guy could ever have. And this is sweet. They hug and the credits come up. Of course, I believe we do get an end scene here after the credits where I think that Derek took like a Swiss Army knife of Ricky's. And I'm thinking, oh, you are lucky that you gave that back. Because if he would he have been caught on the plane with that? Would he have been caught going through a metal detector with that? If that happened today, they would take him down. They would probably tase him. Like, you are bringing a weapon onto a plane. Yeah. He would not make it past the gate. He would not make it past security. He may not make it past security in 1984 if he, if he took that knife with him. No, he gave it back to Rick. So I'm going to play this clip. 
Oh, I can't miss this scene here as Derek looks at Ricky. He's like, you know what? And Ricky says what? Derek says, I'm really going to miss you. Oh my god, my heart is breaking so much right now. And Ricky looks at him. hes They're both choked up. He's like, I'm really going to miss you too. And they hug, and this is so sweet. And oh my god, the feels, my heart. Oh. And the audience applause as the credits come up. Okay, now I'll play this scene. Um, okay, I guess there is no scene. Then where did that- Oh! You know what I bet. These are syndicated episodes. So, that scene, it wasn't gonna- Well, let's see if I can pull it up on, uh, YouTube. something to remember me by. Thanks. Hey. I want you to have this. <laughs> <laughs> this is my watch. <laughs> I loaned it to you a month ago. Oh, yeah. Keep it. <laughs> Okay, I was wrong there. I thought that Derek had taken uh, the Swiss Army knife when, in fact, Ricky gives him the Swiss Army knife to remember him by, and then Derek takes the wristwatch that he's wearing, like, hey, here's something to remember me by. Ricky takes it, like, wait, what? This is my wristwatch! You borrowed it, like, a month ago! And Derek's like, yeah, you can keep it. I was like, oh. But no! You can't take a Swiss Army knife onto a plane! I mean, they probably, they must have had metal detectors that would have seen that, and they would have said, we're confiscating this because this is a weapon. So I got that part wrong. I, I, I seen it before, and I don't understand. But of course, now I get it. These are syndicated episodes. There are bits that have been, in fact, cut out. So that is the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to give this one... I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. The only reason I'm knocking one off is I didn't care for Freddy in that costume. Like, uh, as cute as it was, it's like, uh, Freddy, go away. Um, <laughs> but of course, I liked, um, I'm going to start at the, at the end. I liked the hug between Derek and Ricky. I liked their goodbye. I liked Kate and Edward, like she's, you know, when she's sitting on the couch, his head is in her lap and he, she's just combing his hair. I liked when they were pound Ricky and Edward were pounding on the door trying to get Derek's attention, and then Edward's ready to like break the door down just as Derek opens the door and he's got headphones on so he couldn't hear. Of course, they thought he had uh, committed suicide by jumping out that window, which he did not. Let's see. And of course, I like the little end clip with with the knife and the wristwatch. That was cute. Alright, here is an episode I will do my best to get to this weekend. Season 2, episode 16, entitled, A Hunting We Will Go. Rick is eager to go on his first hunting trip with his grandfather, and Edward reluctantly allows it. But when Rick 
gets a deer in his sights, he finds himself conflicted over the experience of having to shoot a deer. Yeah, Ricky, in my, I don't see Ricky as a hunter. He's just, he's got a lot of animals. We saw how he was with Harry the orangutan. And he just does not seem the type that would be able to shoot a deer. So, let's also say hey to some listeners. Let me get in here. Here we go. Jacksonville, Florida, Grand Marsh, Wisconsin, Los Angeles, California, New York, New York, Farmington, Missouri, Denver, Colorado, Silver Spring, Maryland, Frisco, Texas. All right. I hope you all, like I said, hope you all enjoyed this episode. If you haven't yet, hop on to Apple Podcasts and go to Punky Power Podcast and leave a review. All the reviews that the podcast gets makes it more noticeable by other Punky Brewster and Silver Spoons fans like yourselves. All right. Have a great day. Bye-bye.